Hello, I'm Sean McCangus, and welcome back to another episode of the Highland League podcast. In this episode, I speak to Wick Academy manager, Gary Manson. In our chat, he talks about his early playing days at Ross County, breaking into the first team at Wick Academy, being part of a Wick side which finished third in the league, winning the North of Scotland Cup, funny stories about teammates such as Gary, what it is like to be a Highland League manager and much more. If you're new to the podcast, make sure to subscribe on your chosen platform to keep up to date with all the latest episodes. Hope you enjoy this interview. Gary, we'll go right up the beginning so what are your kind of earliest memories of, of playing football i've got an older brother he's um two years older than me so that's kind of my first memory him him going off to football training on a friday night and me being kind of jealous that you know he was going off i don't know what he, he was probably six i think at the time and um because I, I remember first going when it was about four and a half five ish so um yeah that's probably the first thing is i just thought it was you know, nice thing to do on a Friday night. And I was always jealous, and um, yeah, eventually uh, wore my mum and dad down. I think to um, allow me to to join them on a Friday. So yeah, I think I was about probably just turning five. I think by the time I started. Yeah. So what is it like in terms of opportunities for football up in Thursday? Mid to late eighties, everyone played football. Um, well, there weren't many games consoles and what have you back then so it was it was more or less everybody played football so there was three three boys clubs or youth club teams in in Thurso so it kind of determined there's three primary schools as well in Thurso so whatever primary school you went to determined which club you played for so there was lots of opportunities um it's slightly different now they've all kind of joined and it's just one one club now in Thurso um, with different teams within that club um, yeah back then it was quite good it was quite a good rivalry there was like I said between the different primary schools and the different boys clubs there was, there was quite a good rivalry to um, you know involve the football so it was it was good there's a lot of a lot of opportunities to play growing up in Thurso. Yeah so um, in terms of what is your kind of what was your kind of earliest kind of formal team you you were playing as in, as a youngster, would you say? Um, well, in Thurso, um, like I say, there was three teams, and I played for a team called Thurso Youth Club. Um, but like it wasn't, it wasn't particularly structured. You know, training on a Friday night would just be, you know, split. However many boys were in the in the hall, split them into teams, and then mm. just go at it pretty much. Um, which was good. You know, that's that's all. All boys like six, seven year olds want to do that at that stage you don't want to you know be, be laboured with structured drills and sessions it was just get the ball and, and have a game basically um, then from that I I was involved with Aberdeen they had a regional training squad up in Thurso um, and I it was roughly about first year at high school started going to that then um, and that was probably my first sort of introduction to structured training sessions and actually trying to improve your technique and improve your sort of like game awareness and all that sort of thing. So um, that was really good and ended up going down to 
to Pataudry in the school holidays um, for training sessions and for, for trial matches and stuff like that. And that lasted about maybe a year and a half. Ended up then, I think I must have been about 14 when I went to Ross County. Um, started playing for the, and I must have been, it was under 14s I started with in Ross County. So I must have been just under 14. And um, yeah, travelling traveling down the road twice a week. Um, then on a, a Sunday for a match as well. So it was my first insight into like formal as a as a team, you know, in a league and what have you. And um, yeah, quality of coaching was good. Quality of opposition was good. We were in like the development league or something. It was called like um, you know we were playing all the all the top teams up and down the country. So um, that was again another good learning curve. Yeah, so in terms of, um, is there any kind of particular players you played against during that period that you kind of recall that have kind of went on to you know have a decent uh, team? Yeah, well, played Don Cowie was in my team. Um, so obviously he went on and had a, a really good career, Scottish international. Um, when I was at Aberdeen in that, um, another guy who's kind of come back into, the, not the limelight, but... Um, Mark Fotheringham, his name is. He's just taken over as manager. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think he was a year younger than me at Aberdeen, but he was he was a standout. Like he was he was in actually training with the first team when he was only fourteen, I think he was. If that, um, and yeah, he was a standout. So always always kind of looked and checked his progress as his career went on, and um, again went on. And had a really good career in Germany and in England as well. Other ones in the Highland League, like Craig Campbell was in my Ross County team. Um, Robbie Duncanson was in my county team. We also John McCaskill had a decent Highland League career as well. They were they were all in around my county team as well. So um, yeah, good to sort of keep an eye on their progress as well in the in the Highland League. And, yeah. So what what was that? Like um, being in the kind of Ross County for your development, it was good, obviously, because, like I said, the quality of coaching um, and the quality of players that you're playing with and against wasn't something that I would get up here in, in Thurzone or Caithness. Um, so it was really good. I mean, you know, the travelling aspect wasn't ideal, it was like a you know, Thurzone to Dingwall's about an hour 45. Um, so you know, I was finishing school. Got home, quick bite to eat, in the car, straight down for training, back the same night, and then you know on a Sunday, on a Sunday at a weekend for games. If it was a home game, it was fine, but an away game, I would be, I'd be down on the Saturday, stay over with someone on the Saturday night, down on the Sunday to play in the central belt somewhere, back up the road, and then school first thing on a Monday. So um, that aspect wasn't ideal but I guess it's kind of prepared me in a way for travelling during the high league days so um, yeah obviously it learned me an awful lot like I say the the training was an eye opener you know you were you were learning different things not just technique wise but like tactical wise as well so um, yeah it was, it was really good I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be the, the player I am or the player I was or have the sort of knowledge in the game that I, I do if if I wasn't able to be at Ross County for two or three years. So, yeah, invaluable, really. 
like because I was at Ross County until I was about um what would I have been 16 and a half, I would think. Um I, I kind of got to the stage where you know I I think it was under 17s at that time. And then at the end of that season, you were either taken on full time or let go. It was kind of that brutal. So um yeah, I was unfortunate, I was let go. Um and then come up the road and joined Wick first team basically from there as a 16-year-old. And I was still eligible to play for the under-18s, so most weekends I'd be playing Saturday first team, Sunday under-18s, and um, it got quite hectic at some points, especially you know if you're out for a beer then the Saturday night and you're still in the game on the Sunday. But yeah, so that, that was my only kind of um, involvement in the WIC youth setup was... I had one season in the under 18s and um as is quite often the case, Wick seemed to have a very good youth team at that level. Yeah. Um, and we won the league and they or we won our section and then we played um Rothis, I think it was in because in that days there was a, a north section and a an east section if you like, and yeah, we won our section and Rothis won their section and we, we beat them then in the final. So Got an under eighteen winners medal. <laughs> you want to add a, a senior medal to that at some point? Wouldn't mind. Yeah, I've got, I've got one. Um, yeah. You know the two thousand fifteen North of Scotland Cup, but yeah, I wouldn't mind adding some more now. Mm. So, um, do you remember kind of your debut in in the Highland League? Yeah, um, probably one of the most memorable games. Actually, it was it was at home to Cove Rangers on the first game of the season. Sixteen years old, and I was. I was thrown straight in, um, you know, no, no kind of bedding in, getting a, a couple of sub appearances first or whatever like that. It was just straight in, sixteen year old, left wing back, um, yeah, up against Cove, league champions from the year before, and we ended up winning one nil. So, um, as far as debuts go, they probably don't get much. But I could have scored, but um, they don't get much better than that. Really, I don't think so. Yeah, out of out of all my games, it's probably one of the most memorable. So, in terms of the, how did you cope with the kind of physicality of the the league um, at first? I, I don't remember thinking, you know, I was out of my depth or anything physically. I mean, um, even when you look back at photos of me during that first couple of seasons, and uh, maybe I was still I was slight, but I was, you know, I was quite kind of broad and maybe more developed than other 16-year-olds, I don't know. But I, I don't ever remember thinking, oh, yeah, I was like physically dominated in that game or whatever. Mm. I don't remember that. Quite possibly I was, and, you know, most likely I would have been at 16 years old. Um, you know, fully grown adults would have probably seen me and probably tried to impose themselves on me. But, I, like I said, I don't remember ever coming off the pitch thinking, geez, that was, that was physically demanding and, um, you know, felt like I let the team down because I got dominated. But um, yeah, possibly I was, but I, I don't remember thinking that. Mm. So, in, in in terms of I'm going on, kind of making more appearances and kind of putting your your mark on on the Highland League. Um, how important was that in terms of you know being so young, in terms of having confidence, you know, getting more games and stuff? Yeah, well, like I say, I, I was thrown 
straight in at the deep end. So it's you know it's either a sink or swim situation. So gladly, like I say, we won that game one 0 So that must have you know bred confidence in me. Um, you know there'd be something wrong if it never. Knowing that, um, well, it was a caretaker manager at that time. We we lost our manager about two weeks before the season started, and uh, yeah, it was a caretaker manager that gave me my debut. But yeah, just knowing he had confidence in me as a sixteen-year-old to to throw me in against league champions, and there were more experienced players sitting on the bench that day as well. So it was it was certainly a, a vote of confidence for me. So um, yeah, that obviously. You know, give me a boost and um, give me something to build on. And I, th- I can't remember. I think I went on to make about seventeen or eighteen start season. Yeah. Um. So yeah, quite quite good numbers for a, a sixteen or seventeen year old um, in their debut season. So yeah, I kind of just went on and and built from that. Then I think the, the year after that, I made more appearances and more starts and um, yeah, just kind of. Went on to you know, nail down a, a first team place then and thankfully never really lost it. Um, so who were kind of the players that you played alongside that kind of helped you in terms of, you know, um, development and kind of, you know, maybe learned certain things from tricks of the trade from them? Yeah, we had, we had quite, a, quite an experienced team when I first came in. So that, that debut that I'm talking about... Um, we played a, a back five that day and I was left wing back and yeah, the three centre halves beside me, they were all, you know, quite well versed in Highland League football and um, you know, then latterly well not latterly, the next couple of seasons with McGarry Fark who would come in, you know, seasoned pro with with St Johnston and Cali and you would learn bits and pieces of him. He was a you know, a wonderful footballer Gary and very well known in the Highland League um, as being one of the, the top players probably ever to play in it. Um, and he came in and, well, he was actually out there in my first season. We got him in on loan from Cali Thistle. He was still full-time at that time and uh, we got him on loan. I think he was only like 31 and maybe not even that, in fact. And he was playing for you know a reasonably struggling team. I don't know where we finished in my first year, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't as high as mid-table even. Mm. And Gary was midfield and I think he came away with 12 or 13 goals that year. So it was it was just, you know, he was he was levels above what, what we had. And the reason we got him was he was a wick boy. Um, you know, he probably could have had his pick of hiding league teams to go to on loan that season, I would imagine. But, you know, I decided to come to wick because, you know, he was a, a hometown boy and he came and helped us greatly that season um, but yeah not just Barry I mean that team had some some really good players in it um, like Alan Sinclair Baba his name is from the back and then Craig Shearer Martin Gunn in midfield um, and another another guy from Thursday Nigel McKenzie um, me and him went on then in later years I would play left back and he would play left midfield and struck up a really good sort of understanding in partnership with you. Um, yeah, other other guys like me and Stuart Ross came through, came into the team about roughly the same time and um, played a number of games with Stuart in the in the early part of my career. So, yeah, loads and loads of good players. Um, but I've said before that, you know, Wick in that 
in that time. We had lots of good players, but not enough of them, if you know what I mean. So we didn't have the strength and depth. You know, we we had players in that team that would, you know, comfortably play for a lot of Pine League teams in that era, but we just didn't have enough to back them up. You know, if they got injured or um, we lost a couple of players to suspension or what have you, we just we just never had enough strength and depth at that period. And that's what kind of that's why we were a bottom half of the table team at that point. Yeah. So in terms of um, these players, was there anything specifically that they kind of taught you that you've kind of gone on and used in terms of you know game management or you know in terms of? I wouldn't say anything specifically. No. But what I would say is back in those days, um, which you know doesn't seem to be the case as much now. Is you know when you signed up. Well, maybe it is it. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe it is at certain other clubs. But you know, when when we signed up back in, in those days, and you know that was it. You were there every single Saturday. It didn't matter if you had a wedding, a funeral, or whatever. Football came first, and you were at the game on a Saturday. You were at training Tuesday, Thursday. Um, you know, you. I rarely, rarely missed training. Hardly ever missed a game. Um, so that's probably one thing that's you know, stuck with me. Um, I don't know, is it an old school thing and it's just changed nowadays, but it certainly seems to have spoken to, you know, it's not just Wick I'm, I'm referring to, I've spoken to a few other high league managers and they're, they're in the same boat. They, it's just, it seems to be different now. Um, like I say, back in those days, you know, you, nobody missed a game really. If you, you know, you might have went on holiday and missed one game a season or something like that, but now it seems boys are, are missing more games than what we used to. So maybe that's that's one thing that I've maybe learned from from those boys that you know I joined as a sixteen year old. I don't know, a generational thing. It's but like I say, it's it's not all clubs. You know, if, if you look at maybe it's I don't know, if you look at like the Fraserburgh team, the Brora team, probably the Brecon team, I haven't noticed them so much, but certainly the Brora team and Fraserburgh, they, they don't change, their, their squad doesn't change much. They they might tweak their living here and there. Hmm. Um, you know, they don't seem to, to miss many players week in, week out. But if you were to look at my team lines this season, you would see like a massive sort of range in who's been available, certainly from week to week to week to week. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know why it is. I don't know. I've, I've no idea what the answer is, but um, yeah, that's, it certainly seems to be one difference to when I started to what it is now. Yeah. Um. So one of the moments was you were part of the, the side that got into, um, you know, Wix first ever kind of senior cup final what was what was that like um obviously during the run you beat a strong cali team yeah um we'd kind of been knocking on the door for a final for maybe you know two or three years getting to you know north of scotland cup um it's had a couple of different formats over my time and um a couple of times it was like a a, a league format so there'd be us Rora and 
like maybe a golf spray or a, a Hulk or, or a Thurs or something. Mm. And you just play each team once and the winners would go into the semi-finals or what have you. So we'd, we'd managed to get to a few semi-finals without actually, you know, we then would come up against a, I don't know, a strong Cali team or a strong county team or something like that because they came running and out of the cups. But yeah, so we'd been knocking on the door for a few years and it was, it was just good to get that final, you know, and, and I, I don't know that that mindset come over the squad as a whole. Maybe we just thought that, you know, that monkey was off our back. We'd got to a final and then probably, yeah, we, well, we definitely didn't do ourselves justice in the final. We were 3-0 down and kind of gave ourselves a mountain to climb. Um, but yeah, the day itself was, the game was in Blora, if I remember correctly, and the, the amount of fans that we took down the road with us was just incredible. Because like I say, it was the first final we'd been mm. to for God knows how many years. And um, yeah, it was it was about probably 75% WIC fans, 25% Forest. So um, yeah, the game itself never obviously went went our way. Um, probably a number of reasons for us back then were, it was like the land of the giants. They had seven, <laughs> seven players over six foot, and um, you know they played to their strengths. There's no doubt about that. They were, you know, had a specific way of playing, and they played it really well. Big Ryan Green up top was a handful, and um, yeah, so you had to be, you had to be on your guard. And like we, we didn't have a particularly big team back then, so um, yeah, they obviously caught us out, and before you know it, we were three 0 down, and. We managed to get back three two, but yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't to be. Do you think the experience of um that cup final defeat kind of pushed Wick on to in terms of winning it, you know, in later on? Uh, yeah, it certainly would have helped. Um but I think we in that little spell from like maybe two thousand whenever that final was, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven or something, and then you know, we went on kind of a run. I think we made four finals and in five years or something like that. So, you know, it wasn't just that experience that, that stood us in good stead for the one that we ended up winning. It was it was probably a combination of all of them. Um and not just that as well. We had a we had a very you know a really, really good Highland League squad when we did win that cup in two thousand fifteen. So um you know it wasn't just learning from experience, it was it was ability as well. So um but yeah, there's no doubt it would have it would have helped because you know you, if you've got anything about you, you you learn from the bad times more than you learn from the good times. So you know we I think we'd lost three finals by the time we won the one in two thousand fourteen, uh, fifteen. So um, yeah, we had lots of experience to draw on as well as having a, a really talented squad. So um, yeah, the two thousand fifteen one speaks for itself. It was a really really good day out. Um, it was good to to give the fans something to to cheer after you know letting them down in so many finals before that. So it was it was really good to eventually get that winner's medal. Yeah. So in terms of um, that specific final that you you won, what are kind of your memories of of the actual game? My memories are not as good as the rest of the boys. I was actually injured for the the final. Um, I mean. It's just how you know how luck would have it, but I think I've only missed I don't know three or four games in my whole career with injury. I've been extremely lucky, touch wood, um, with injuries over my career. And um, yeah, that 
it was a warm it was a bit maybe I don't know five games six games before the final um, we were warming up I always remember it was a home game against Keith and we were doing the warm up and it, it was about 10 to 3 or something like that and I was I thought right I'll, I'll just have a couple of shots before I go in I must have been playing midfield that day I would imagine so a couple of shots and then the last shot I just felt a little ping in my side yes. and you know it wasn't it wasn't agony. I just felt a ping and I thought, geez, that's a bit annoying. So I went in, um, got organised out, played the game and with about, it was just getting progressively worse and worse and worse. So it got to about the hour mark, I think, and I, I said, no, I'm going to have to come off. I couldn't, couldn't run properly. I couldn't turn properly. So, um, and then Saturday night into Sunday, it got really worse and worse and worse. So Monday I went to the doc- doctors and turned out it was a torn abductor muscle. And I knew that I had the the cup final was like in four weeks' time or something like that. So I kind of thought, right, I'll give myself two weeks rest. Although I was, I was meant to give it four or five weeks rest. So I, I said, right, I'll give it two weeks rest and then make myself available again. So I made myself available, I think it was two weeks before the, the final. It was an away game against Brora. So I, I was on the bench and... Boggs, Gordon Conley was the manager at the time, said, like, turned to me and said, Are you fit to go on? Um, and I said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So I went on and again, just as luck would have it, I went in for a slide tackle. It was it was Xander Sutherland. I went in for a tackle with him and he landed right on the injured side. <laughs> so that just put me right back to square one. So yeah, it was probably stupid on my behalf because if I never made myself available for that game, I would have probably been fit and fine to play in the final, but I thought I'd try and prove my fitness before the final, and yeah, ended up backfiring. And um, yeah, so my memories of the final are just standing watching it. I'm afraid. Um, That's fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Certainly of the game, or you know the the celebrations in the change room and the celebrations at night. Well, yeah, you always remember them, but um, yeah, the actual game itself was more. Obviously, one of joy and celebrations, but one of frustration as well, if you get what I mean. So, um, yeah, mixed emotions watching that game. Yeah, another um, thing was the the twenty twelve season that you you came close to to win the league, and you went on that such that run of form. Um, what was like that like? In- yeah, that, that was that was an incredible season. That was yeah, you're referring to. 17 wins from 17 home league games and yeah. I, I don't know the stats I would imagine other teams have done that as well but you know at the time it was just a bit surreal every every time we went on the pitch it felt like you know it was a, a case of how many we were going to score not not if we were going to score I mean the attacking talent that we had in that squad was was frightening you know I think most teams in that league would have taken our attacking lineup. you know Davey Allen, Gary Weir, Lucas Caruso, Sam Mackay, Richard McCarry, you know, top, top pine league players at that time, all in their prime as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, like I say, it was just a case of, you know, how many we were going to score that day rather than where we were going to score or where we were going to win. Um, and it was, yeah, looking back, you know, obviously our home form couldn't have been any better, but 
what let us down was the away form in the end. We, we finished four points off off top spot that that year, and yeah, it's 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 one one thing that you look back over over the course of my career and think what could have been because I think there was a couple of games that stand out. We went down to Clash on a, a Wednesday night near the end of the season, and I think we drew one each with them after battering them the whole game. And you know that's that's two points dropped, and then I think the other one that sticks out was for Martin. I think we went down there and we were three 0 up away to for Martin. Three 0 up, um, it was a Davy Allen hat trick. I think it was three 0 after about twenty five minutes, and we we're thinking, here we go, there's the game. How many are we going to score today? And yeah, ended up drawing that game three all. Um, so uh, you know that's that's your four points there. So. If if it wasn't for those two games, we could have won the league and you know went went down in history as the first ever WIC team to win the league. But um, yeah, an incredible season to be part of. I think we scored over a hundred goals that league campaign as well, which is which is an achievement in itself. Um, and like I say, it was it was a team full of attacking intent. Um, you know, I was I was playing left back for the majority of that season, and it was it was just a joy to play and i was i was just on the front foot the whole time it was you know defending kind of took a back seat it was just get the ball forward go and join in and you know create and score goals and it was yeah it was a joy to be to be in um in that squad in that team and like i said earlier that, that was the period where it was the strongest wick squad that's probably ever been i would think and you know, getting to the four finals in five years, getting to within four points of winning the league. Um, you know, it was it was just a joy, joy to be involved in in that era. Yeah. So, just how how good was that um, kind of strike force? You had like a mixture of kind of different players. What what were they like in in terms of ability? And and do you think those sort of players may have played at a higher level? Could yeah, have- definitely. I mean, that's one thing. You know, coming so far, uh, coming from so far up north, a lot of those players in that team might not have, or in that squad, might not have been with us if we were, you know, further down south or down like over in Aberdeenshire or something. They might have been picked up by the league clubs, um, you know, in that area. So it's, you know, it's it's got its disadvantages. Um, like player-wise, recruitment-wise, what have you, coming so far north, but it's also got its advantages because you know if it's, if you've got a good player, then chances are they're going to stay with you um, rather than be snapped up by someone else. So yeah, there's no doubt. Davy Allen, Sam, Richie, Chucky, Lucas, and probably numerous others in that squad as well could have easily played at a higher level if if they wanted to and if they were. If they were somewhere else geographically as well, um, yeah. And like you say, the 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 difference in the the players, the different attributes that they brought, um, it just you know it, was, it added up to a, a really good formula for us. Um, all the players chucked them together, and um, yeah, it just worked. And while you know we we're talking about all the attacking players, we we still had. You know the talent in midfield, the 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 talent and the robustness at the back as well. You know you're you're not always going to go out and win a game six five. So you need to you need to be able to keep the back door shut as well. And it's something that 
doesn't get spoken about enough. You know, you look at the league table that season, scoring over 100 goals and stuff. But, you know, we had a, a top goal, uh, goalkeeper in Sean McCarthy and well, Michael Gray before that as well. I think they were both involved in that season, maybe. Um, so, yeah, top goalkeeper. And then, you know, defenders, Alan Farquhar, Grant Stephen, Joe Stephen, myself, Grant Campbell would have been about there at that time as well, Ross Allen. You know, top top defenders in midfield, Stevie Cunningham, Craig Shearer, James Pickles, you know, the whole squad. It wasn't just the attacking players, it was it's just the whole squad. Like I say, it was just a a joy to to be in that squad and, and be involved in. Yeah, so do you think that'll go down as like one of the best, would you say the best wick team of of all time at the current? I think without a doubt, yeah. Without a doubt. Um it'll take some beating as well. I mean you know, it's always you always strive to be to be the best and be as as good as you possibly can. But it'll take some beating to beat that squad in terms of depth, in terms of ability, in terms of experience. You know, physicality. Um, it, it seemed to have a little bit of everything. So, you know, now I'm on the other side of it. It's it's what you strive for. It's what you you know you you try and build a squad. You know, with balance and different attributes and what have you. But that squad just seemed to have everything. It just seemed to click. It seemed to be like the perfect storm. Everyone at the same age, well, give or take the same age, all within about five, six years of each other. Um, and yeah, that'll that'll maybe take a little bit of time, but hopefully we'll we'll get there again. Yeah, is it fair to say that that Wick team is maybe kind of overshadowed? You know, in terms of when people look back at some of the some of the top teams over the years because of. People don't really remember. Is that fair to fair to say? Um, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's fair to say, and it's it's correct as well because we only won one trophy. You know that that squad was better than one trophy. Hmm. Um, like uh, I've said already, you know, making four finals in five years. If you only come away with one trophy, that's that's all that people remember. Um, you know, if say we did win the league that year, we were four points away from it, and we won maybe three of those four finals, then, you know, people would be speaking about us as, you know, one of up there with the top teams of that era and what have you. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely fair to say because, like I say, when you only come away from that period with one trophy, then just it feels like we didn't do ourselves justice and I don't think we did really. Mm. So in terms of um, people always speak about kind of the, the Brora um, Wick kind of rivalry. Some some people mentioned they wouldn't play for a certain certain team because where they where they were from. What were those games like um, to play in? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's changed over the years because you know when I first started, um, Wick were kind of bottom half, bottom bottom five kind of team, and Brora were. Um, Maybe top half. They were, you know, they had some good players when I first started. Billy Ferris was still playing in that team. Richie Hart was in that team. Um, Graham Monroe, you know, good players for for Brora were in that team when I first started. So they were they were a bit ahead of us. So I didn't feel too much rivalry then. But then we we jumped ahead of them um, by quite a considerable distance. They were they were probably bottom three, bottom four team at that time, and then. Obviously, the money got pumped into them, so then they shot up the league, and 
when we were making all those finals, that's when you know they started getting all the all the players that came to them, like the Ross Tokleys, Grant Monroe's, Stephen Mackay's, Craig Campbell's, Andrew Sutherland. They were they were getting all those kind of players. So that was the period where you really felt the rivalry because we were both up challenging for cup finals, both up in the top four, top five of the league. Um, and they were just getting stronger and stronger every every kind of season. Um, so we were we were having to work really hard to just to stay with them, really. Um, and yeah, some of the games in those days were were brilliant. Um, you know, they would they would take a crowd up to, uh, up to Wick. Um, we'd take a big crowd down to Brora, and yeah, those that that kind of time were the were the real rivalry games. Um, unfortunately, now we've not beaten Brora for for a good number of years. It's something that you know we we try and put right every season. Um, but they've just got the you know they've got the one up on us at the moment, and we I don't know is it now a psychological thing in the players or what? But we just for some reason we just can't get the better of them. Last year, I think we were two one up in Brora with about ten seconds to play, and they scored with the last kick of the ball and it's just when that happens you just think Christ are we ever going to beat them again but um, it will happen you know there's no two ways about it it will happen we're getting we're getting closer to it um, I think we've had a, a couple of draws in the last couple of seasons with them now so it's um, yeah it's it's always good you, you always want a local rival and well they're not right on our doorstep they're our closest time league team so it's it's always going to have a, a bit of added spice and um, but yeah, like I said, during sort of 2011 to about 2016, those games were were really good. You know, you you looked forward to them. And um, this season, they've they've gone back to the sort of festive derbies, which is good. We've got mm. them on in Wick on the 27th of December, and then the away ties, I think, on the 3rd of January. So it's it's good they've gone back to that. That was always something you looked forward to as well. It was you would always get a big crowd um, um, in Wick, especially, uh, and yeah, hopefully it'll be that again this year on the on the twenty seventh. Yeah. So in terms of overall, kind of the appearances and kind of goals that you've scored in terms of your playing career. What I mean, obviously, we've spoken about the North of Scotland when um, the really good team you were in that that came in third. Is there any kind of our standout moments? Maybe you know Scottish Cup games you're you're involved in, or um, yeah, the, I think the Scottish Cup game that that stands out above them all. I mean, I've played in lots of Scottish Cup games now, and you know home ties, away ties, and whatever else. But the one that really stands out above them all is the the breaking game. Um, I think it was two thousand and eleven. I think maybe slightly, maybe two thousand ten. Um, we got to the third round for the first time ever. Um, Breaking where well the equivalent of League One now and like up at the top end of it. Uh, good squad, good team. So we're you know we were up against it. No one expected us to do anything. And in the game we were four two up with not long to play, ten fifteen minutes to play. So quite rightly the fans were were all in jubilant mood thinking we were getting through to the fourth round taking a big scalp and breaking and yeah they got back to four all with you know two minutes to go or something like that which was you know we're really proud that we took such a good team all the way to to a draw but you know tinged with a lot of 
disappointment and regret that we we never got over the line when we should have. Um, we should have just seen that game out at 4-2 with 10 minutes to go or whatever it was. And um, Yeah, we ended up, that, there was replays back then, so went down the next Saturday, stayed over in a hotel in Aberdeen, um, woke up on the Saturday morning to get told the game was off. So we just had to jump in the bus at like 10 in the morning or something and traipsed back up the road and then ended up having to go down there on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, whatever it was, um, which, you know, far from ideal. Um, but again, went down and gave a good account of ourselves and ended up getting beat 4-2. But um, yeah, I would say of all the Scottish Cup ties that I've been involved in, that was... That home game was one that kind of stands out because a the, the the way the game went a four all game always always sticks in the memory um, a big crowd that day yeah just with the, the sort of tinge of regret and disappointment that we never actually got to the fourth round which would have been a good old achievement yeah so n- now obviously you're the Wick Academy manager and you've got a home tie versus um, Falkirk to to look forward to in a potential. Maybe cup upset on the cards. Yeah, well, it's quite similar to that breaking game I've just been discussing. Um, you know, it's a home tie in the third round, chance to, you know, make history and get to the fourth round for the first time ever against a League One team that are going really well. So, yeah, I mean, we'll obviously go in as as huge, huge underdogs, and quite rightly so. They're a a full time professional outfit of that have got players in on loan from Rangers. They've got, you know, seasoned professionals that were at Cali not long ago. And, you know, you look at their squad and you think, well, you know, we've we've got no chance. But, you know, it's a Scottish Cup tie. It's in late November. I wouldn't imagine the weather will be great. I wouldn't imagine our pitch will be great. And they play on a, an all-weather AstroTurf pitch in their home games. So you just hope that everything goes our way, you know, the weather's not very good the pitch isn't very good our players all play to their maximum and their players don't and if that all happens then you never know but yeah, we're under no illusion, we're we're huge underdogs but that's something hopefully we'll thrive on Um, you know, no one will will give us a prayer but you know, the the boys in our changing room and the management staff, we certainly will so um, we'll be going in fully aware of the, the task at hand and the challenge that's in front of us. But, you know, we'll, we're going to have nothing to lose. So we'll go in and give it our best shot, see what happens, and then just take it from there. It'll be your kind of biggest game as, as a manager. How, how are you feeling on kind of a personal level? Really looking forward to it. I mean, that that's what I said to the boys. This, this is the sort of game you're, you're in football to play in. Um you know, yes, the league's your bread and butter and you want to do as well as you can and you want to try and win cups and what have you, but you know, you want your big day out as well. You want your you want to take on the best team that you possibly can. You want to test yourself against a full time professional team in a competitive game. So it's yeah, it's, it's something I'm thoroughly looking forward to. It's something that I, I'm sure I'll enjoy. Um, you know, enjoy the occasion. Possibly not the ninety minutes, but we'll see how that goes. And then yeah, it's just like I say, it's one of these games on occasions that you're that you want to be involved in. That's why you that's why you train twice a week in all weathers. That's why you traipse up and down the, the length of the country. Um so you can get occasions and days out like this. But same for the fans as well. I'm 
I'm pleased for the fans that they've got a day to look forward to like this as well. Um, you know, they they turn up in their numbers week in week out, even when things aren't going great or the weather's not great. They still they still give a good back in and wick. Um, it's, it's one thing that's it's never sort of diminished that much. Um, so yeah, to give them a a big day out, uh, something to look forward to. It's it's always pleasing as well. Yeah. So go, going back to um, kind of what was kind of the moment um, that got you interested in terms of coaching and, and management, would you say? It's something I've always been involved, um, interested in. And I got involved. Well, after after school, I went down to, to Elgin College and did an HND in sports coaching with development. So, you know, it's obviously something that I've always been involved and in, uh, interested in from school and then after that as well. So that when I was at Elgin, that's when I first started my coaching badges. So I was only what, 18, 18 at the time, 19. Um, so I managed to get you know a reasonable amount of coaching badges under my belt in those couple of years. So um, that's where the first sort of coaching experience came in and then when I came back up the road uh, Graham Sutherland who's now I don't know what his title is actually but he's with the SFA um, and does all sorts of work in the, the North region, the Aberdeenshire region Murray and what have you as well so he was at Ross County at the time and he got in touch with me and asked if I would uh, lead a regional squad for Ross County up in Caithness um, so, I, yeah, I was only 20, 21 at the time and um, that gave me, you know, I, I did more coaching badges at that time. I went out and like scouted the local players and then coached them on a weekly basis and then took them down to Ross County in the, the holidays and stuff. So, um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, it's something that I've always been interested in from a, an early age, from, you know, late teens into my early 20s. I've been, you know, keeping an eye on, on, you know, I don't know if most people just watch games of football and on the telly and what have you, and you know, just watch the game. I, I'm, I'm constantly looking at, you know, different shapes and different things that are happening within the game itself, not just, you know, the goals and what have you. So it's, it's just something that's been in me um, for a long time, I think. And you know, the the longer you go in your career the more your mind kind of switches towards coaching, towards management. And then when David Kirkwood came in, um, yeah, I'm not sure what year he came in, I think it was 2011 he came in, he asked me to be a player coach. And I think I was, I was 28 or something at the time. And, um, yeah, it was, it was something that, I had to think about it. It wasn't. It wasn't just a, a straight yes. It was. It was something I always thought that. You know, you see player managers and player coaches. It's something that you, I think you need to be one or the other. I'm finding that just now, and I'm. I'm still playing the old game, you know, um, when required. And it's you can't give either your your all. If, if you know what I mean. You, you know, when you're on the pitch, you're you're constantly sort of looking at other people are they doing their jobs or you know when you should be just concentrating on your own job um so you're not giving your role as a player or a manager it's you're kind of 
half-arsed attempt at both of them. So it's, um, yeah, it's something that I wouldn't recommend, to be honest. But yeah, going forward, it's it's something that I'm probably just going to concentrate on the management now. Yeah, so in, ter- in terms of the managers you've played under, what have you kind of learnt from them? Yeah, you, you take bits from from all of them, really, um, good and bad bits. You know, you, like I say, the, the later you sort of go in in your career, you start taking note of of training sessions. You start taking note of you know bits and pieces on match days that you might end up taking into to what what you do if you went to management. And it's something that I did. Um, you know, when like say when David Kirkwood came in, I was I was probably. 28, 20, 27, 28, something like that. Yeah. When they did ask me to be player coach, it, you know, I, I didn't have much experience of coaching like an adult team. So it's, you know, I was, I was constantly watching him, see what he did, um, see how he conducted himself. And, you know, David was a, he was a good coach. He was, he was, you know, he, he always had something different. Up his sleeve, his his sessions were were all football based. Like even pre season, um, you know there wasn't so much just all out running. It was all with a ball with David Kirkwood, and and then when Barry came in, he was he was kind of a mixture. His pre seasons were quite tough, mm. um, a lot of a lot of like sprinting rather than like long distance runs. It was I remember one session we must have done about. 2,500 metre sprints. Mm. Oh, it was incredible. And it, that was on a Thursday night and we were, we were playing, we went over to Orkney then for pre-season friendly on a Saturday. Half the boys couldn't get, even get on the ferry because they couldn't move. Their, their hamstrings were gone. Their quads were gone. All these 100 metre sprints we were doing on a Thursday night. But um, so yeah, the, those two were quite different. Like Barry was... Like I said earlier, it was just all like attack with his team. That that was Barry was in charge of the season. We we finished third and scored over a hundred goals. So it was it was all like attack. He never he never concentrated much at all on on the defensive aspect of of the game because I think he knew like you know we would outscore most teams. So why not play to your strength rather than rather than trying the opposite. Um, and so yeah, you you take bits from Barry, and then Gogs came in, and um, we obviously won the cup under, under Gogs and did well. He just carried on where where Barry left off, but Gogs tried to maybe tried to be a bit more pragmatic and um, you know not as gung ho, I wouldn't say um, as Barry. So he tried to get that kind of middle ground, um, and you know. It, did well under Gogs, won a cup, um, and yeah, enjoyed it. And then um, Tom came in. Then Tom Kennan, you know, I felt a bit sorry for Tom because it was it was the start of the, the kind of changing of the guard. Really, um, you know, the squad started dr- dropping off members of the of the cup winning squad and the the good squad that we had started dropping away. So. Um, so yeah, you, like I say, you take bits from from all managers that I played under, and um, not just the good bits, the bad bits as well. You weren't so keen on, so you try and ensure that you don't do that. And um, yeah, I like to think of I've kind of taken bits from everyone and put my own stamp on it as well. You know, you, you don't want to copy anyone. You, you know, you'll just get found out like that. So you have to be kind of authentic as well. And 
put your own stamp on training sessions on on match days and what have you. So that's that's something I've tried to do as well. Yeah. So what what kind of manager would you kind of say you are? Well, not I'm probably say not a very good one if you look at our league position, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to pick. pigeonhole your pigeonhole yourself. Um, I would, I wouldn't say I'm a defensive manager, and I wouldn't say I'm an attacking manager. I'm, I'm trying to find that middle ground that I was speaking about that Gogs, that Gogs tried to find as well. Yeah, it's you know I'm not one of those guys that just say right, call out attack and don't worry about the defence. And I'm on the flip side, I'm not one of those guys that you know tries to guard the bus, or whatever. So. I, it's about finding that middle ground, and I'm sure most managers are the same. Um, and you know, if anyone had a a ready-made formula, then they wouldn't be in the high league, would they? So it would. It's. I'm still learning. You know, it's something I'm. I'm still developing, if you like. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've got a, a style. I, I keep reading. Like certainly, I'm a Rangers fan, and you know, you you read Rangers fans and. Certainly, just now when struggling a little bit, and like, oh, what's Gio's style? What's we're we're not playing with a, a defined playing style? Like, well, what does that actually mean? Is this? I think where they they must all play like football manager on their computer, and they see like playing style come up, and they've got a drop down menu of what they what playing <laughs> style they want to play. I mean, it's it's guys. That, probably never coached a team in their life that are coming out with oh, well, what's our playing style I'm like well nobody really has a playing style you know you want to win first and foremost you know how that comes about is more often than not up to the players you know as a manager as a coach you give them ideas you give them you know ideas of of where to be on the pitch and how to get to certain areas on the pitch. But then once they're on the pitch on match days, it's it's completely up to the players. You know that a manager and a coach is only as good as the players on the pitch. So, um, yeah, it kind of amuses me when when people ask, what's what's your playing style? What's, you know, what style are we playing and all that sort of thing? Because it's, yeah, for me, you, you set up a team to play against the team that you're up against that particular game. So your playing style might change from week to week to week to week. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, which is a long-winded way of answering it, um, I don't really have an answer for what kind of manager I am. Um, I think I'm, like, away from tactical side and all that sort of thing, I'm... I like to make myself very approachable for the guys and, you know, I've, I've played with most of them. I'm, I'm still playing with most of them. So they all know me. They all know me really well. They know that, you know, I'm I'm there to speak if they want to come and speak to me and what have you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still developing, but I like to take a little bit of all from my previous managers and I like to think that I'm not either like a defensive or attacking. I'm, I'm just kind of straight down the middle and, Try to win football games. Yeah. So, what what do you think's been the kind of the biggest thing you've learnt from being a, a manager now? I would say the biggest thing I've learnt so far is to go in with a bigger squad than you think you need at the start of the season. Um, you know, you might think that right, I've got a squad of twenty one. That 
if all going well, that means three sitting in the stand on a Saturday. But one thing I have learned is it never, ever goes according to plan. You'll always have an injury. You'll always have players, as I touched on earlier, going on holiday, missing games for this, that and the other. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing I've learned is to go in. So, like, next season, for example, I'll be going in with a much bigger squad than I think I actually need um, in terms of numbers. So, you know, there's too often these last couple of seasons that we've either had to rely on pinching players from the under-18s or, you know, asking boys to come and do us a favour as a trialist. And yeah, it's 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 not something that I want to do going forward. Not not the under eighteen part. I'm I'm a big advocate in in getting the boys in early if they're good enough, if they're showing up good well enough for the under eighteens and training well with us because that's something we do. We take under eighteens to train with us the whole time, um, just to to get them into a first team environment early. So when the when the time does come that they're they're ready to go. Um, but yeah, getting guys in as trialists, it's it's something that really bugs me. Um, I really don't like doing it. But at times in the last couple of seasons, it's been a necessity, which, you know, that's, that's one thing I've learned that I'm definitely going to go in with a bigger squad than I actually think I need next season. Yeah, so in terms of um, yourself as kind of a manager and kind of coaching, is there any kind of certain ambitions you have? And well, certainly short term is well, medium to to short term is just to try and get cup finals and and win trophies. Um, you know, it's been too long since we've been to a cup final. It's been too long since we've you know since we won something. Um, so you know that's. That's the aim of every manager, really, isn't it? So to get to, to cup finals, have days out of cup finals, to try and win medals and just push on up the league. I mean, it's I've come in at a time where, as I, as I said earlier about Tom coming in, it, it was the start of it. I've kind of overseen most of it now is the changing of the guard, you know, losing players like Craig Gunn, Sam Mackay, Danny Mackay, Stephen Anderson, um, Sean McCarthy, Grant Stephen, Joel Stephen, you know, I've probably just named eight or nine players that would, you know, all all still about the 30 mark, 31, 32 mark, that would, would still do a job in the high league, but they've just, you know, they felt that their their time in the league's up and they're, they're moving on, so it's... Um, yeah, unfortunately, I've I've come in at a time where the, the squads have had a had a massive overhaul. Um, so, yeah, it's something that we've had to manage, and and it will be something we have to manage going forward. But it's it's on the flip side, it's exciting because new players are coming in the whole time, and um, you know it's their chance to shine and their chance to show they're they're good enough to be in the high league. Yeah. So, is there any kind of players maybe coming through the ranks or coming into the first team that you think Highlink fans should kind of look out for at Wick, would you say? Uh, yeah, yeah. there's there's a few. Like I said earlier, Wick always seems to have one of the best under-18 teams, you know, in, in their division. Um, more often than not, they, they win the, uh, the under-18 league. Um, so we've got loads of good players coming through, but like I touched on earlier, our geography is 
you know, it doesn't lend itself to, to keeping some of these players. They'll they'll head off to Glasgow to go to uni. They'll go to Edinburgh to go to uni or whatever, or go off to get jobs, other in other places. So, um, but yeah, we've got loads of good players coming through. One that's kind of standing out at the moment is Joe Anderson. Um, you know, he came into came into squad as a sixteen year old. He's he's eighteen now. Mm. I think he's first he's in December. I think he's eighteen. Um, but. Yeah, he he's going to be top behind league player. I mean, he, from you know, I'm obviously seeing most teams yeah. um, at close quarters, and you know, I'm yet to see an 18 year old centre half come up against me that's as as good as as young Joe is. So he's only going to go from strength to strength. I mean, he's about six foot three. Um, Really, really comfortable in the ball. He's a left-footed player. He can read the game well. And, you know, once he bulks up, because he's, he's still very slight, but once he bulks up, he's he's going to be, you know, very, very difficult to to contend with as a as a striker. So, um, yeah, he's obviously one that sticks out just now because he's, he's a first-team regular at 18. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, there's, I mean, we gave young Matthew Aikenhead his debut He's only 16. We gave him his debut on Saturday there. Um, he's been training well with us for the last four or five weeks, playing well with the under-18s. So we just felt it was the time was right for him to, to come on as a, a substitute on Saturday and make his debut. So he won't be the last either. There'll be more there'll be more making their debuts this season from the under-18 squad. So, um, yeah, there's there's loads loads coming through, loads to be positive about in the under 18s and youth. Yeah, so in terms of um, being a Highland League manager, can you maybe kind of give a bit of a insight in in what your kind of normal week is like in terms of balancing your job and you know managing a team? Yeah, it's very much a second job, like a a second full time job, I should say. Um, it's non stop. It's it's sometimes chaotic. Sometimes frustrating but you know on the whole it's quite rewarding as well so yeah it's a typical week I would suggest would be like on a Monday I'll be planning my session on the, for the Tuesday night um, so you'll be looking at who's all available for training what happened the previous week who you're playing up against this coming Saturday what their strengths are their weaknesses how you want to go about the game and then planning your session accordingly off the back of that. Um, then more often than not, than not on the Tuesday, I'll get a couple of call-offs for training. That always happens. No matter what you say, what you do, always get calls on the on the day of the training. So you'll have to go back to your session plan, tweak it slightly, tweak whatever you were planning doing, which is a coach's nightmare. It's, it's very frustrating, but... It's part and parcel of part-time football, I'm afraid. Um, so then Tuesday night, you've got the training session. Hopefully everything goes well. You get no injuries and what have you, and everything goes according to plan. Wednesday, you're kind of evaluating what happened on the Tuesday and then plan your session for the Thursday. Um, again, with Saturday in mind, you know who you're coming up against. You know If you're going to work on set plays, you do it on a Thursday night. If you're you know, Thursday's more about the match on the Saturday. Um, then Thursday comes again, more often than not, you'll have call-offs and you'll have to tweak your plan again. But 
uh, you just get on with it. And that's Thursday night is the training session. Then Friday, again, you're kind of evaluating the Thursday night session. I've already kind of got my team in my head before the Thursday night session. That's, like I say, that's when you sort of do your, any patterns of play that you want to work on, any defensive setup that you want to go through um, in the set pieces. So I've, I've kind of got my team in my head before the Thursday night session. But if someone, you know, someone might have an absolute blinder on a Thursday night and think, then you start thinking, all right, well, maybe we tweak my team on the Saturday. So that's that's Friday. You're just kind of finalising your plans for the Saturday. Um, get everything organised that you need for the Saturday. And then obviously Saturday takes care of itself. It's match day. And then the Sunday, we record every game. Um, so the Sunday, I normally sit and watch the game from the Saturday. So every single day is taken up with <laughs> something to do with football. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's it's another full-time job. So at, some, at times it is, it is a challenge to, you know, to fit everything in. This is, you know, it's not football. It's not just my work. It's you've got other things going on in your your outside life as well. So it's it's sometimes a challenge to fit everything in. But like I said earlier, it's more often than not, it's, it's rewarding. It's something that I enjoy doing. So it doesn't doesn't feel like job and like a work. You know, like another full time job. So it's while it's full on, it is enjoyable. Yeah, how in terms of like balance, do you get much time to kind of switch off? Is there's kind of certain time in the season that you can kind of calm down in terms of you know, or is it kind of full full steam ahead the whole until the <laughs> until the end of then preseason and then yeah, yeah exactly. It's that week that I just described. That's that's during that's during the season and then your off season. Um, like we've got a in Caithness, there's quite a quite a, a good vibrant um, summer football amateur scene up here. So that's that's where we get most of our players from. So you know, while I know most of the players up here already, you still have to go and see games. Who's playing well? Who's who's looking like they might be able to make the step up if they want to? Because um, that's that's half the challenge as well up here. Players that actually want to come. And, Commit to to high league football because it is a commitment for WIC players. Um, so yeah, um, it is, it's it's more or less all year round. Um, it's not just that week that I've just described. It's it's even in the close season. You're going and watching matches. You're evaluating players that are playing the amateur scene and seeing who can maybe make the step up. Well, you know it is slightly less intense, but you're still you're still your mind's still always thinking football, no matter what you're doing or where you are, I'm afraid. Uh, what, one final question, looking back in terms of your playing, um, what who do you think was the best player you played with and played against, would you say? Uh, yeah, extremely tough question. You know, people ask me this from time to time and the answer probably changes every time someone asks me. But um, in terms of played with, I've, I've reeled off, quite a few already in this um, that I could probably name but I think I would if I was to nail one down I would probably go David Allen um, you know for a number of reasons but you know longevity would be one um, he's just 
he's got a little bit of everything that you want as in a footballer. He's got the aggression, he's got the good touch, he's got the the pace, he's got you know the enthusiasm, the work rate, strength, the you know the physicality. He's got, and he can finish. You know, I think he scored. I don't know exactly how many goals, but he's maybe got near two hundred goals for Wick in his career. So you know, he's just got everything that you would you would want. And during that, you know, period that I've, I've touched on various times, and, and during this, uh, he was our standout. I think out of all those good players that I named um, earlier, I think he was he was probably the standout. That if he wasn't playing, you would notice it. You would, you know, yeah. we would we would miss him. If he was absent for whatever reason, then we would miss any other players during that period. I think is he was just one of them as well. If you were under the cosh at all, you could just give the ball to Dave. He would go a run. He would go a mazy sixty-yard run and take you up the pitch and just relieve that pressure from from the back four. And um, yeah, so he he's one. But like I say, I, I could I could change that answer, you know, six, seven, eight times and make a very good argument for, for lots of other players. So it's I'm I'm hopefully not doing the other players uh you know a disservice because um like I say I could I could name numerous players um that I played with. But then yeah in terms of played against um again you know I could name different players from different eras. When I first started um that Cove team that we beat that was my, my first Glimpse of playing league football, and there was a striker playing for Cove that day. Mike Beatty, his name was, and yeah, I'd, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. He was, he was probably six foot one, but lean and strong, quick, good in the air. You know, good with both feet. He was good at holding the ball up, but bringing others into play. And um, yeah, that was that was my first glimpse at like a proper player I think you know a proper adult player um, so he's always stuck in my mind I mean I don't know how many seasons he was in the league I was maybe only maybe two three seasons at most because he was probably come to the end of his career and I was just starting but he always stuck in my mind um, from that first game that I uh, played in um, and then others from that era like Martin Stewart at Huntley Tremendous goal scorer, tremendous at holding the ball in as well and bringing others, others into play. Um, and then, you know, moving slightly forward, Darren Still, Keith, you know, he he sticks in my mind. I, you know, had quite a few battles with him over the years. Um, and then you've got guys like Ian Murray at Vale and Buggy. He was, he was untouchable for a couple of years. He had a tremendous partnership with Mike McKenzie when he was at Vale that's when you know Vale were probably up there with one of the better teams I've, I've ever played against in the Highland League they had, they had a, a who's who of Highland League in, in their squad at that time going forward there's, there's loads of other good players that have, have come to the fore I mean Paul Coots played for Cove mm. before he moved down to you know Sheffield United and Peter Brand who actually played for down south so he was a top player that that played and so yeah loads and loads of players but I would say the first one that ever stuck in my mind was Mike B um, you know that might be before a lot of people's time and that might be listening to this but um, yeah a top top player when he, he played against us for Cove so um, t- tell us a couple couple of funny funny stories 
about um, Gary Weird that you had. Yeah, Gary, or Chucky as he's more commonly known, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, there's never a quiet moment with Chucky, whether he's on the bus or in the, in the changing room or just wherever he is, there's always mischief and always, you know, something going on. He he, he attracts, um, I don't know, not controversy, but he... Uh, He's a character to say the least. He's one of those guys that, you know, now going into management, he's one of those guys that you want in your dressing room. Every team, every changing room needs a chuggy in their dressing room because there's never a quiet moment. He's always up to something. He's always doing bits and pieces. And yeah, just, I mean, more often than not on the away trips with WIC, there's quite a lot of refreshments taken on the way home. So, and, <laughs> Like Chucky was always very much partaking in these refreshments. So more often than not on the way trips, Chucky would end up naked at some point. Um <laughs> I mean, it might sound stupid to everyone listening, but it's if you knew Chucky then it's it's very much the norm. Um like end of end of every season we go on an away trip somewhere, we've got like a fine box and we'll chuck money in it and what have you. So um, the end of every season, we go to like a Newcastle or Liverpool or Manchester or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Chucky's always a, the life and soul of the the trip. And I just remember one time we were sitting in Newcastle, just in like a kind of rooftop bar. Um, it was during the day, like broad daylight. We're all sitting there. It was quite early, so we were just sitting, having a quiet, leisurely beer. Um, you know, enjoying the sun and then kind of look around and, you know, it's gone a wee bit quiet. And when it's gone quiet, you always think, right, where's Chucky? Because it's never quiet when Chucky's there. So we're looking around and nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Next thing, one of the, like I said, it was a rooftop bar. Look down because we were like two, two or three stories high. Right below us was a car park. Look down to the car park and there was Chucky running about in between the cars, bollock naked. Just not a stitch on him, and he must have went to the toilets or something. Got naked, thought, right, what will I do? I don't know. Run about the car park, and they run about doing like this penguin dance that he used to do, and oh, it's just ridiculous. But that just sums up Chucky. That's that's a that's a typical Chucky story. There's probably quite a few other ones that I could have told that ended up with Chucky being naked and doing a penguin dance. But um, that's one that sticks in my mind. Just. Yeah, luckily he's calmed down now. He's he's a he's a dad with two kids now, so he's uh, he's calmed down. Listening to the Highway Me podcast. Hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview.
listening to the Highwaymen podcast. Hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview. Thank you.